Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Autism Stories. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience, and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. If you'd like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We would also appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review, as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. I wanted to mention that we did have some sound issues in this episode, which I apologize for. So for the best experience in listening to this episode, it may be best to read the transcript that we've created for this episode as well. On this episode of Autism Stories, we talked to Sydney Edmond to discuss her advocating for the use of AAC, her love of painting and writing, and being a contributor to the book Life After Lockdown That Resets Perceptions of Autism. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Sydney, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I wanted to start off by learning where does your story in the autistic community begin? Thank you, Doug, for inviting me to speak on your podcast. I'm so glad to have this opportunity. As to your question, I popped out autistic, I think. I was lovely and loved, and I had hypertonia that made me so sit up on my own and to cool. I did, however, learn to say words normally and to engage in activities like babies do, and I did develop the ability to sit up and walk and such. But after an early vaccination, I soon lost the ability to speak and point and engage with people. I was terribly sick with congestion too. The doctors just ignored that I was regressing, focusing instead on my congested lungs. Eventually, I was brought into the diagnosis of autism. I went to specialists and therapists and special needs classrooms. I learned the picture exchange communication system and applied behavioral analysis like all the other kids with autism. But I hadn't yet been diagnosed with apraxia, which kept me from being successful. I could not control my movements to point and communicate what was in my mind. I needed tactile input and encouragement to have any control over my movement. It wasn't until I was 10 years old that I was introduced to support the typing of alternative augmentative communication or AAC. By having the tactile input I needed, I was able to point letters on a letter board to say exactly what I wanted to say and how I wanted to say it. For the first time, I was able to fully express myself. I soon learned to type on a keyboard with voice output so it would speak aloud what I had typed. Then I began taking mainstream classes and writing poetry and speaking at conferences. Years had I waited. And now, at last, 
I became a contributing member of society. I want to say that, in spite of my great love for writing and painting, my greatest passion is to speak out, to make AAC a mainstream part of the school system, so it will be available for everyone. So, this is where my autism story began to have wings. I would very much like AAC to be part of mainstream um, public uh, districts. I think that would be so critical. Now, in preparing to talk with you, I learned that you have several interests that have very little to do with the spoken word, and one of them is painting. How did you go about learning this skill? I was inspired to try painting after visiting the Santiago Museum of Art. I was so excited looking at all the paintings and wondering if I could perhaps paint myself. I was thrilled when I asked my mother if I could try it, and she got out some watercolor paints and paper for me. I was new at it and unable to even hold the paintbrush properly. I was unable to move my arm to apply the paint, but mom gave me the support, the tactile input I needed, to counter the look of apraxia. The same support she gave me when I was learning to point to letters on a letter board when I was learning to type. The same support she gave me when I attempted to learn piano and dance. My first painting was of a tree. Mom thought it showed enough artistry to continue. Eventually, I taught myself how to draw on the paint with minimal tactile input to battle the apraxia. We took some of my paintings to a watercolor class at an art museum where the teacher encouraged me to continue. She felt I had a unique painting style and a strong artistic voice. I was so happy. So, over the years, I have continued to explore new methods and paints. I love painting so much. I hope to keep it up my whole life through. There are many talented autistic artists out there. And, and I bring this up because you have had your wonderful paintings featured in exhibits. For our listeners that may want to have their paintings featured in exhibits, what would be your advice to them? I began my exhibiting in the town where I live, Temecula, California. It was a monthly event called Art of the Walls, where even local artists set up booths to display and sell their art. So loud and crowded, it was very hard for me at first. I wore headphones to lower the volume. I became more used to it in time and eventually became known to people who worked for the city. They invited me to exhibit my paintings at one of the libraries in town and later at an art gallery in downtown Dramacula. I was also invited to exhibit at the other library in town, the Grace Melton Library where I currently have my paintings on display. Wanting to expand in my public, I applied to participate in an art event called Artscape, which is coordinated by the County of Riverside. I was accepted. Held in the Riverside County Administration Center, I had participated in this biannual exhibit many times. Recently, I connected with an organization called the Art of Autism, 
number of times, most recently at the beautiful Oceanside Museum of Art. I was thrilled to be a part of this event. I would recommend to your listeners that they go to artist opportunities for artists in their area to start. Then look wider and wider to county and state. I regularly check the calls for artists on the California Arts Council website. And uh, how can people learn more about your art and purchase it? I have a public Facebook page where I share my artwork. It's called Sydney's Art with an Autistic Twist. I also have my work on a website called Redbubble. They sell quality prints of my paintings as well as other products and clothing with my artwork printed on them. Another interest of yours is poetry. In fact, you've had your poetry that discussed your paintings um, together in some of the exhibits. I'm wondering what kind of comes first for you, the painting or the poetry that goes with it? I almost always have some poeticizing going on in my brain, but it doesn't get written down until the painting is finished. I have painted poems, but most often the painting is revealed first. And I'm wondering about poetry as a helpful form of communication for some non-speaking folks. If poetry is helpful to someone to communicate their thoughts and feelings, what is it about poetry that you would think would allow people to do so? I don't know if poetry is the best way to express how I am feeling. It is more of a creative outlet for me. I began playing with poetry almost right away after I learned to point the letters on a letter board. I loved the alliteration of letters. It was lovely and fun to play with words after being denied for so long. I express my feelings like most people by saying what I feel and why. It is important to be able to do this. This is why I speak out to the public so often about the particularly precious need to give or not speak as a means to fully communicate. I read one of your poems and it talked about how you feel linked with animals. In what ways do you feel this connection? Well, for one thing, we are united in our inability to speak. I think when you are unable to express what you know or how you feel, you are generally treated poorly. People look at you with loads of love, perhaps, but they don't generally treat you with respect. I have often said that when I am with someone who cannot support me time, I feel as though I am a pet. I am loved and cared for, but I have no say in how my day will be spent. No ability to participate in the conversations around me. I am not the captain of my ship and it's lousy. One other interest of yours, at least it seems, is writing because you wrote a chapter for a book that came out not too long ago called Life After Lockdown, Resetting Perceptions of Autism. Why was it important for you to write a chapter in this book, and what do you hope people get from reading uh, your chapter in Life After Lockdown? 
We are just now popping out of a really dark time. The quarantine was important, and it was also frightening. We were all locked in our homes and watching the news about thousands of deaths. It was a very anxious time for me. I keep thinking about how much worse it would have been if I were unable to express my fears aloud. I was very loud in my request that everyone wear a mask around me. So, when I was given the opportunity to contribute to the book, The Bite After Lockdown, I felt it was important to speak for those like me. I wanted parents and professionals to be patient and kind and understanding, and their child or client or student who lacks a means to communicate, shows fear of frustration when they go back into society. We are, all of us, out of practice and more sensitive. We will need time to readjust ourselves. Be patient. Now, interests are critical to our lives for one thing, because they bring things that we are passionate about, and we get lots of joy from them. Interests um, certainly also connect us with others, but socializing with others can be very stressful. What do you think are some of the stressors for non-speakers when socializing and connecting with others? My biggest source of stress under these circumstances is listening and typing at the same time. I will listen to people and then process and think about what they've said. This takes a little time. I also take time to type or use my electron to respond. People are often not attentive. They lack patience. I feel their inability to wait and this stresses me out. So I can't think, and I type slower, or forget what I was saying. It makes me very sad at times. Other times, it makes me angry. You see, I am frustrated at how long it takes me to type, too. But, if they show respect and consideration, it is so lovely to have a conversation. People definitely need to be a lot more patient um, than they are, that's for sure. And, and I really like what you said about doing two things at, at once. That can, be, that can be so difficult. I know you have a group of friends that you call the friendship group. So I was really interested in learning more about them. And this group communicates in the same way that you do. How important is it to connect with people that communicate the same way you do? And how has um, this group impacted your life? The friendship group began years ago when I was new to typing. It was a pretty large group of people who were just as happy as I was to finally have a voice. We were all young and ambitious. We all wanted to change the world. And, do you know, I think we have. One of us is a popular author. Some are attending college or university. A couple of us are for artists. One is an advisor to their local autism society. And we all have taken every opportunity that comes our way to speak events about the importance of having the means to communicate. I believe that having had that circle of friends who cheered me on was invaluable. 
Having a room full of people who listened intently and patiently to what I had to say built up a confidence that might not have come otherwise. I felt that what I said mattered. I felt that I was not alone. I felt encouraged. It was a lovely part of my life that I thank God for providing. I pray that all the blessings I have been given in life will come to those who still haven't got a voice, who still haven't got a life, who have no hope of living a purposeful and fulfilling existence. We all deserve that chance. Everyone certainly deserves that chance. And in Sydney, you know, I really appreciate your time today and our conversation. So thanks uh, so much for joining me. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much to Sydney for the conversation. To learn more about Sydney, check out the link in the podcast description of this episode. There were many wonderful things Sydney shared in this episode, but something that resonates with me is Sydney sharing her experiences during the pandemic. We all are dealing with challenges during the pandemic, but some of those challenges are unique to autistic and neurodivergent folks. If you're autistic or neurodivergent and are struggling during this time, know that Autism Personal Coach can coach you through these challenges, just like we have with so many others in the last couple of years. You can book a free call with me today to learn how Autism Personal Coach can specifically help you during this time. A link for the free call can be found in the podcast description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Autism Stories. And if you did, if you could tell a friend, foe, or anyone you know about it so they could have the same enjoyable experience as you when listening to Autism Stories, it would be very much appreciated. On the first episode of the new year, we will talk about the relationship of breastfeeding and autistic women. Until next time, I'm Doug Bletcher of Autism Personal Coach. Talk to you then.